1: It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallon.
0: Okay, guys, it's time for another installment of the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. Today, with my man Daniel Gallon on Bob Flounders. It's Wednesday, better known as December Signing Day, uh, 2022. Very busy, very important day. For James Franklin, his Penn State staff, Penn State's players, and Penn State's newest additions, the signees, a bunch of them who are going to enroll in January. We're going to get to all of that hopefully in the next 20 or 25 minutes. Uh, as I said, I'm joined by Daniel Gallen, who I don't know if you guys have been, hopefully you guys have been uh, following Daniel on Penn Live today and on Twitter, all kinds of social media. Daniel just sent a single day record, I think, for most <laughs> words put produced on Penn Live, and we needed every bit of it because all of it was great stuff. It was a big class. Daniel was up from the very beginning. Uh, we got great info on all of the new Penn State signees. Twenty-three uh, total players. A lot of them supposed to be really good. Daniel, how are you doing? How are you holding up? And. Is this what we're doing right now? Does this constitute taking a breath or are you, are you still going, is the, is the motor revving pretty good right now?
1: This is uh this is good. This is a little chance for me to to organize my thoughts a little bit to mm-hmm. kind of talk through some things. Um, I mean, we were going from that. I just went through and I'm working on a story. The, the first letter or the first announcement of a signee was at seven seventeen a.m., the twenty third announcement of a signee was eleven twenty nine a m and so it's been pretty much full speed ahead that uh that entire time, so this is a good chance to to talk through some things, get some other perspectives yeah. on kind of what went down today, what James Franklin had to say and uh we can i guess by maybe by eleven thirty tonight I'll put a bow uh on this class and we can start thinking about the outback bowl a little bit more but uh it yeah. was a it was an entertaining day. It was an interesting day. And uh, there's a lot of good stories from this class. Yeah. You, you should have a lot
0: to uh, work with in the, in the coming days, weeks, and even months um, as we pivot from, you know, the 2021 season to 2022. Uh, as you said, we heard from James Franklin. I think a couple of his lieutenants are made available via zooms as well but since since you've been doing it all you know all fall all summer you know when as you just kind of start to just process everything that you've uh picked up on today what are your biggest takeaways Um, what were your underrated moments? What, when you kind of have to talk if you have to think about three or four things that really jumped out to you today, you know, that maybe not necessarily been, were obvious to, to the average fan. What, what are some of the things, what are some of the themes that, that emerged from, uh, from the last 12 hours or so for you?
1: Uh, there, there's kind of some, I guess, more like clerical stuff that we got answers on. Um, Christian Driver and Makai Flowers, two uh, four-star recruits, uh, Flowers obviously from CD Mm -hmm. East, uh, Christian Driver uh, from down in Texas. They were both listed by various uh, uh, recruiting sites as athletes on both sides of the ball. I think when Driver committed back in July, he said that he wanted to play wide receiver. His dad, Mm -hmm. Donald Driver, was a wide receiver. Um, and I think flowers had said similar things where he wanted to be an offensive player. They were both announced as defensive backs today. And, and Franklin said that that just kind of came out of, uh, conversations between the coaches and the players and the players having the trust in the coaching staff. Like you guys see us as defensive backs. That's what we'll do. And, and Franklin, um, you know, he didn't shut the door on the possibility of either of those guys, uh, playing wide receiver later in their careers. Uh, I mean, we saw Mark Marquise Wilson, uh, play both ways for Penn State um this year. So that was something that that stood out to me as kind of a a little answer that we'd kind of been speculating. Um, because mm-hmm. when you would go through the class, you'd be like, all right, they have X uh offensive guys, X defensive guys, one special teams guy, and then two wild cards. Who knows how that uh that might shake out. I guess a, a cool moment during Christian drivers uh segment during the broadcast uh Penn State was broadcasting from inside the Lash building and then they would pull up on the screen, um, the video call between James Franklin and, you know, the player, his parents, whoever else, sometimes there were five or six boxes on the screen uh, with, Mm -hmm. with various relatives. But uh, I thought it was a pretty cool moment with uh, James Franklin and Christian driver. Um, Franklin coached uh, Donald driver with the Packers in 2005. um, And, Driver, both of uh, Christian Driver's parents, uh, Donald and I think Bettina, I think that's her name. Uh, they both got very choked up, very emotional. Um, Franklin said it was a surreal moment. Donald Driver said it was a surreal moment. And it was kind of a, a good reminder um, of kind of how big of a deal uh, today is for some of these kids and, yeah. and their families, um, even a family like the drivers where Donald drivers won a super bowl. He's been to the pro bowl three, I think three or four times. He's accomplished a lot. Um, but to kind of see the reaction to this, I thought, I thought was pretty cool. So those are kind of two things that, that jump right. out to me, um, as we're sitting right now, uh, I'm going to try and test your skill a little bit. I
0: think you already know this, but so it's not going to be one of these questions that Dave Jones always asked me that I'm not prepared for. And there's just dead silence. For like 45 minutes, when we do the blue white breakdown, uh, I'm going to ask you a question I'm pretty sure you know. Um, I think James said that either 10 or 11 of these kids are expected to be January enrollees. Um, I know that the two quarterbacks, Drew Aller, is it? It is Alar, or is it? I think James called him Alar. His high school coach back in March told me it was Aller. Okay, Um, that's good enough for me. (laughs) Drew Aller and Bo Prabula, I believe, are two of the group. Can you shed any light on the other? Because fans always want to know, hey, who's enrolling? Are they going to be able to work in spring? How soon can these guys get on the field? Who are some of the guys you know for sure that are going to be part of the, maybe the the guys that are going to be able to work with the strength coach and then get some on-field instruction in spring?
1: So I have the list, uh, courtesy of someone who was in uh, Terry yes. Smith's uh, video call. Smith went, went down the list. Um, and so uh, in addition to the two quarterbacks, uh, we have Zane Durant, uh, who's the defensive tackle uh, from Florida. Katron Allen, the other the non-Nick Singleton running back uh, from IMG <laughs> Academy uh, by the way in Norfolk. Uh, Jerry Cross, the tight end from Wisconsin, Omari Evans, the wide receiver, speedy wide receiver from Texas, JV Nelson, uh, the offensive lineman uh, from Lackawanna College, Caden Saunders, the wide receiver from Ohio, Nick Singleton, and then Cam Miller, uh, the cornerback uh, from Florida. That's a really interesting group. Obviously, this is you kind of, when you try to gauge how important it is for the various positions, obviously for the quarterbacks, it, it's, it's very key. You know, if you're at this point, if you're not, if you're a quarterback who isn't enrolling early, you're, you're really setting yourself back. But then, you know, just kind of looking at those names, I think that Singleton and Allen could have the opportunity to contribute early based on what we saw um, from the running game this year. And then someone like Zane Durant um, and JV Nelson, their linemen. So, the more time they can get in in the with the strength staff in the weight room uh, the better that'll be for them um, and then the skill guys it's just kind of the the more time the better um, better chemistry better getting adjusted to the college game, better kind of figuring out what you need to do next
0: yeah, and you did you I, I think you did say Saunders is part of that group the skill guys January guy or not yes yeah because yes. James has always said of all the positions wide out is probably the easiest one wide out and maybe defensive back for special teams but those guys are almost always if you can play they've always kind of they've always fast-tracked those guys Caden Saunders one of the most coveted recruits I think in the entire class you know Jahan Dotson probably going to be having his swan song in, in Tampa in a couple of weeks so there's still there's certainly going to be an opportunity for somebody like him to uh, to flourish right away I know he's an exciting player do you like him
1: Yeah. And that was, that was another cool moment uh, today where uh, they had Saunders. uh, He was the last one to get introduced. And I think I, you know, I wasn't timing every moment, but I think he might've gotten some, a lot, a little bit of a longer uh, segment. Um, Mm -hmm. I think part of it was because he had so many family members on, but during his call with James Franklin, uh, Dotson came up, stepped up to the microphone. And I think, I assume it was kind of a a surprise for Saunders and Dotson told Mm -hmm. him that he wants Saunders to come to Penn state and have a better career than he did to, to break all the records that Dotson set. Um, And, you know, I mean, I think that I've almost run out of superlatives when, when I talk about Dotson and it was just kind of a a cool moment to see someone um, who was kind of that grounded. I think Saunders is going to have the opportunity to contribute early. Um, He's, he's on the smaller side. So he kind of, you kind of, I guess you might pigeonhole him a little bit as a, as a slot guy, Um, But I think that what we saw in kind of Mike Yersich's offense is that a lot of this is predicated on just kind of getting the ball to someone in space and letting them make plays. And I think that's something that Saunders has has really excelled at. I know that Franklin obviously was made available. Did you
0: did you guys did you get a chance specifically to talk to Mike Yersich or did you just
1: get to watch or listen to interaction he maybe had with some kids that had signed? The only way your switch was available was through uh, his interview with, uh, with Penn state media Um, after Franklin uh, it was director of player personnel, Andy Frank, uh, Taylor Stubblefield, who is the offensive recruiting coordinator and Terry Smith, the defensive recruiting coordinator. Usually Terry Smith is a pretty straightforward guy when it comes to
0: evaluations or the recruiting process, or, you know, he's been with James for a while. Did either he or Stubblefield, Divulge anything of note from those guys that you really thought was interesting,
1: yeah, I mean, I think the one takeaway is that it's going to be interesting to watch what Penn State does in the transfer portal uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, James Franklin kind of laid out the the positions of need that still kind of uh, mm-hmm. remain. Um, Andy Frank talked about how when you kind of look at the transfer portal there's there's certain positions that that stand out as ones that that you address and kind of in generalities where you know, the transfer portal is a good place to go look when you're looking for offensive line depth, something along those lines. Um, so that's something, uh, something to watch, um, in the, you know, the next couple of, of weeks. Um, Franklin did kind of, uh, you know, he does this every once in a while where when he has an issue with kind of how, uh, other, other schools might be conducting themselves, uh, he kind of, he'll make it, make it known a little bit. And I think that when he talks about how, uh, Guys don't seem to spend a lot of time in the transfer portal or it's very quickly that that they want to know where they go. And I think yeah. he kind of said that we don't even get a chance to evaluate them before, before they already know where they're going. Um, so you look at the roster, it wouldn't be a surprise if they add um, a wide receiver. Uh, Franklin kind of alluded to some potential personnel changes uh, at defensive tackle and linebacker. Um, Depending on where the numbers are, there could be additions there. Throughout today, you saw a lot of guys from the transfer portal um, signing with teams, making their commitments. I think Michigan State, after Mm -hmm. their success last year, brought in a couple more guys. Um, But I think that now that it is post-signing day, I think that there will be more guys who are under the transfer portal. After the bowl games, there will be more um, and into the winter. So the fact that Penn State hasn't moved yet that's probably something that that will come eventually.
0: This is the Blue White Breakdown.
1: Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf
0: of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. All right, it's the Blue White Breakdown Podcast. He's Daniel Gallen. Uh, I'm Bob Flounders. Daniel, I know there's still some time for it to play out, but did Franklin uh, hint at, because when you sign a class, 23 is a pretty nice number for a class. Did he hint at any uh, roster management potential problems? Does he feel good about where the program is at when you factor in maybe some kids that might be leaving, some kids that, you know, he might want to add via the transfer portal. So, you know, Taekwond Roberson's no longer uh, gonna be with uh, be at Penn State. They haven't really added anyone yet. Has he referenced that yet? Or has he not got was he just more about the guys that they signed
1: today? This was more about the guys that they yeah. signed today, but Andy Frank talked about it a little bit, about how they knew this was going to be a big class, that the way that the numbers were were shaking out, they knew that they were going to, to take a lot of guys um they had 23 guys signed today they ended the day with 25 uh commitments uh andre roy uh three star offensive tackle uh from baltimore he flipped uh from uh penn state to maryland um and then tyrese mills uh a safety from lackawanna college uh he didn't sign today but 247 reported that he'll he will sign in february and that yep. just kind of uh I think that the quote he gave them is that there was a mix up in some paperwork right now. I guess the number is kind of at 24 um, Mm. total for this class. Um, But Andy Frank said that every year they sit down, they look at the numbers um, and they even factor in, you know, based on their past data, how many guys usually leave because of transfer or whatever reason, how many guys they usually bring in because of transfer or whatever reason. And and that's how they get to their number. So I think they're in good shape uh, in terms of roster management. I always get carried away with uh, Drew alar because
0: he's the, he's the higher ranked kid. Um, Bo Prabula though is, is a pretty talented option as well. They're both coming in. You have Christian Veiu. You have Sean Clifford. Um, I did find interesting that I, I'm sure this will not make Drew very happy. He said he thought Prabula was probably a little bit more athletic than uh, <laughs> Drew. And I'm sure that'll be something that probably nags at Drew, but did we learn anything new about the quarterbacks today that you did not already know, you know, at, you know, first thing in the morning?
1: Yeah. I, I think it was kind of interesting to hear uh, Franklin kind of talk about, um, or I guess verbalized things that, that we have said and that kind of the um, kind of look at the the interpretations that, that we've had, where when Sean Clifford made his announcement that, that he was coming back, I think we talked about it where he said this is good uh, for Penn state because yeah. it's uh, it's a year quarterback. Sean Clifford can easily be the bridge to whether it's Vayu, Aller, um, or Prabula. Um, and you and you don't have to worry about the bridge quarterback coming in from the transfer portal and trying to learn a system and, and stuff like that. And Franklin said that having Clifford and Ursich said too that having Clifford come back is good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the way that things were revealed today is there. There's a reason there's a reason why drew Aller was the first person that they announced. You know, a lot of these guys send their, they just send their letters of intent in first thing in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a, like, there's a reason Caden Saunders um, was, was the last last person announced. Um, and so I did think it was interesting that they had uh, trace McSorley um, announced for uh, that's kind of been the, the comp for Bo and uh, the quote, I just pulled it up. When Franklin was talking to Prabula and his family, he told him, you're the total package. I told you that. I think you know how I feel about Trace McSorley and how he handled his entire career here at Penn state and no disrespect to Trace, but I think you've got a chance to do things that Trace wasn't able to do got such a bright future. And it's the whole package. That was pretty interesting. The two quarterback classes, it's, it's a delicate balance, especially when you have someone like Aller who." he was a three-star kind of nobody almost in January. And now he's a it's December and he's a five-star and the number one quarterback prospect in the nation, according to a couple services, you know, no one's going to say anything bad um, about any of these guys. And, and I think to every single guy, Franklin said something along the lines of this, isn't going to be easy. You're going to have some, some ups and downs, and it's going to be really, really hard at times. Um, But I did think that that interaction with, with Prubula was, was interesting and um you know, any any you invoke kind of these recent program greats uh, with Saquon Barkley and Nick Singleton and and all those things, it's, it's always it's pretty, pretty interesting to see. What James was asked, I think, right off the bat about Sean Clifford and maybe
0: how he might influence the development of not only these two guys, but, you know, they have, you know, they use only going to be a second year player in the sprint. Thing. And he was, you know, his I think his development was delayed quite a bit by the fact that they didn't have high school football where he played in 2020. So he really was rusty. And it's almost like I think that I think his second year at Penn State, he he could take a pretty big leap uh, forward as well. But just listening to him talk about. Sean Clifford, I'm talking about James Franklin. I know that in the back of Sean Clifford's mind, he has not given up on the NFL. And he's, you know, he's been a productive guy at Penn State. And if he can take a step forward next year, you just never know who the next buzzy quarterback's going to be. You know, look at Kenny Pickett. You look at some guys that really weren't thought of that highly at the beginning of the year. And I'm sure Sean's thinking about that. But I was just struck by the way, Daniel, that James talked about Sean. I was thinking I was saying it that man he's like, if if things don't work out for Sean Clifford as an NFL player, I think James, frankly, would love to have him uh, on his offensive staff specifically working at quarterbacks, just talking about how he prepares and what goes into it, how he knows how to study film, how he knows how to kind of break apart defenses. Did you pick up on that as well?
1: Yeah, a little bit. And I think that that's kind of how how Sean's been talked about um, for a while. He's going to be 24 next year, which means that if he were to go to the NFL, he would be 25 at the beginning of the the 2023 season. There's not a lot of 25-year-old rookie quarterbacks floating around outside of uh, the random cases. Uh, Chris Winkie, uh, I guess. Um, And so, obviously I would never want to count out someone in their NFL aspirations yeah. and I'm totally fine being wrong. Um, if Sean Clifford were to become a, a starting NFL quarterback, but this does seem like the, yeah. the type of thing where this could almost be like a dry run, uh, for coaching. It'll be interesting to see what he can do and kind of that, that mentorship role. Um, I don't necessarily think there's going to be anyone, none of these guys are going to be challenging for the starting job right off the bat, at least. I mean, they talk about competition, but when you bring back a someone who has started the past three years and is a 60-year senior, you know, that'll be interesting, interesting to see. And I do think that, um, you know, maybe in you know, six or seven years, Clifford is is the next hot quarterbacks coach, offensive mind. And it it gets traced back to to him being a six-year senior with these these two hot shot freshmen in Vayu. Um and and this is where he he kind of takes those steps forward. And I think that sitch said that he was really excited to work with with Sean again and kind of see how that plays out.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you about the Harrisburg kid, Makai Flowers, the fact that he I think, you know, he's always kind of thought of himself as a wide receiver. I know he can play defensive back as well. He's, a you know, what's he, six foot, six foot one. He almost looks like he's a little bit on the thin side. So if he's going to if he's going to play defensive back at that height, I think I would think uh, safety instead of corner. Or how do you how did you read what James said about him as an athlete that's with a lean towards the defensive backfield? I
1: think I would have to, to relisten to specifically what Franklin said about flowers and driver and, and what Terry Smith said. But I think that something that is interesting with a lot of these defensive backs that, that Penn state um, signs is that they all have a, a pretty similar template um, yeah. kind of in that six foot to six one one eighty um yes. long. It, and I think that that kind of allows them to, to have some versatility and to, to move some guys around, um, and to kind of bring guys in where they have that optionality, uh, between corner and safety so that you're not kind of boxing yourself in, uh, to where, Oh, this guy can only play one position. And what happens if he can't play it? Where do you go from there? But I think flowers is an interesting prospect. I mean, he's someone who's been on the radar for forever. Um, I think first scholarship offer before his first varsity game, um, Mm -hmm. won a state championship at steel high last year, transferred to CD East, Um, And was still a a pretty big time playmaker on both sides of the ball. So, the way that college football is now, um, just the more athletes you can get onto the field, uh, the better. And I think that the way that offenses are kind of set up and and geared towards this year, if you bring in an elite athlete like Flowers or Driver um, or a top level athlete and you can get those guys to play on the defensive side of the ball, that'll help you down the road. Um, So, I think that that'll be interesting to see kind of how those those two guys develop and, and where they kind of settle in and and find their niche, um, at Penn state. Yeah. And if you're going to experiment, this is the time to do it right. You either can do it right away
0: in your career. Um, they moved around Micah Parsons, uh, when he was a January enrollee, they had him at middle linebacker, you know, he he just was, you know, and then they, they moved him to kind of the, you know, to the, to the, uh, to the weak side. And that's really where he took root. But in the NFL, it turns out he's actually probably a different cat entirely. Uh, just a hybrid defender who can do whatever he wants. But, you know, Penn State's had some pretty good success with transitioning kids to the defensive side of the ball. Usually when they do that, a lot of them either end up uh, starting or they play key roles uh, for Penn State. Neither one of these guys, you know, have played it down. A lot will depend on their development, what they're able to do in the classroom and what they're able to do, you know, as part of – in strength and conditioning to get onto the field. But, yeah. I'm always curious when they move a kid before he's ever played but when you list him as an athlete I'm sure the kid always thinks he's one thing but you know the the tape doesn't lie so I think I hope these players realize that the coaches are just trying to do what's best for them get them on the field where they can flourish because you know to try and be a wideout anymore in college football you have to have a you have to either have a spectacular you must be spectacular at one thing or you have to be really, really good at just about every phase of the game to even get on the field. There's been a lot of players, Daniel, at Penn State that you, they look like NFL players coming off the bus you know, at Penn State, and it just has not worked out, whether it's Saeed Blacknall, whether it's Irv Charles, whether it's Justin Shorter. So mm-hmm. hopefully these guys will not take that as a slight, and they'll, they'll take that as, hey, we see this as a role you can succeed in. But I think sometimes when you're 17 or 18 – you can be a little headstrong. Hopefully, these two these two guys, especially Driver, who's a who's the who's the son of a former uh, NFL, a great player. I'm sure. I'm sure his dad has had some discussions with him uh, regarding a switch as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you bring up some good points about that. And I was thinking about it today, actually. Where this is the first National Signing Day that I've worked, I think since 2017 for the 2018 class, and the mm-hmm. two commitment ceremonies I went to, I think during those couple of days in December. I went, to, I went to Northern Virginia uh, for Ricky Slade. Uh, <laughs> then the, the next day, I drove from Philly over to New, New Jersey uh, for Justin Shorter. There um, you go. So I think that that's kind of the, the thing that you always have to kind of keep in mind uh, today that these are a lot of 17 and 18-year-olds. You don't necessarily know um, how it's going to go, how it's going to turn out, whether or not Penn State is actually the right place um, for all these guys. But um, I do think that Penn State does kind of a a good job of um, and all programs do this of uh, you know, this is, this is about the future. This is a, a good day for the kids, a good day for the program. Um, but at the same time, you kind of, you know, the, the reality of kind of what, what we're up against and and what we're watching kind of comes through and who, who is still standing on in the next three years or four years and and who goes to the NFL, it's going to be, it'll be a lot of fun um, to to watch because this class is, is really deep. There's a lot of intriguing guys, and there's 24 guys in it. And we didn't talk about Tyler Johnson, Zane Durant, right. um, Kevin Winston Jr. Any of these you guys will. could could make will. the play. We <laughs> well, um, plenty of time. Before I
0: let you go, I just wanted to give you the opportunity. Was there one thing, two things? One is: did you learn anything today that you thought was interesting or surprising that maybe You could share with the fan base. Do you kind of have? I don't want to use the word sleeper, but a guy that's maybe you know. Once you get past the quarterbacks and Singleton and Caden Saunders and the defensive player from Maryland, once you get past those guys, is there a guy you're going to be keeping an eye on that you think Moy? You know what? Little I've seen and heard about him, I'm really curious to see what he could do at Penn State.
1: I thought that uh, Zane Durant, uh, the defensive tackle from Florida, uh, he had a he had a really good personality he was very at ease in that, in that setting, even though it was over Um, video call. And I think that uh, he wants to do, he wants to be a dietitian. I think. And he said that he, he eats a lot. So that's kind of where, where that comes from. Other thing that is, is funny that or something entertaining is a Katron Allen um, the, the running back from Norfolk IMG Academy. His nickname is fat man. Um, so to hear uh, his, parent, his, his family members call him Fat Man, James Franklin, Jawan Sider uh, talking about Fat Man, uh, that, was, that was pretty entertaining. I think the one thing that you learn is just kind of that these, these kids have some, some great personalities um, and that it's just kind of fun to watch them. In terms of sleeper, you look down pretty on the lower end of the rankings and you see uh, Tyler Johnson, um, the three-star wide receiver from Magna Vista way down in Virginia. Uh, it's basically in North Carolina. I was, that's one of the places where when you look at it on the map and you start zooming out and you keep waiting and waiting and waiting to see something you recognize uh, that that was, that was an experience, but um, I ran the numbers. And it looks like a typo, but he averaged 28.8 yards per catch over his final two seasons um, of, of high school football. I talked to him over the summer. I talked to his coach. I've, I've kind of kept up with his highlights and, it's really fun to watch. Um, I think that he could be a big play guy. Um, he's someone who came up to Penn State, worked out, put up the numbers they wanted to see, got his offer. And then I think he, I forget, it was like a two day, two days apart where he drove all the way back six hours home, then came back a day later or two days later for for a visit. Um, and that kind of led to his commitment. So I think he's kind of a, an interesting under the radar type guy. Um, and it'll be, I think, interesting to see him and um, Omari Evans, uh, who okay. uh, played quarterback um, because that's what his his team needed him to do. But he's a 4-3 guy. And so I think that on the offensive side, those two guys, and then defensively, Cam Miller, the four-star cornerback from Jacksonville, it's three minutes into his uh, highlight tape before you see him play any defense. But before that, you see him play Quarterback, wide receiver, punt returner, kick returner. Yeah. Um, he was an option quarterback for a while, so he's got some athleticism. And, and there's something about option quarterbacks that I have a, a yeah. soft spot for, and kind of how the, those guys take the next step. Yeah, Tommy Frazier for me.
0: Love Tommy <laughs> Frazier as a Nebraska fan, so I'm all about the option. Eric Crouch, another good. Oh player. yeah, but that's uh, those are Nebraska guys, and their their program's kind of in the toilet. So I should probably shut up about Nebraska. Daniel Gallon. Thank you for spending the last half hour with me. it was been educational. I hope you get some rest. I know you're not done working, but it's been enjoyable watching you the, uh, the last couple of weeks and actually all season uh, juggle a couple of different jobs for us, not only covering Penn State football, but is it your, you keep your ear to the ground. You keep your eye to the ground. You keep your ear to the ground on the recruiting trail. And I know that's not easy to do because you, you don't have that much downtime to begin with. So I enjoyed signing day with you. I enjoyed speaking with you. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about some signing day stuff next week. Hopefully there'll be no news breaking on Saturday or late Friday afternoon. That would be ideal. But uh, I'll talk to you soon. It's been great uh, catching up with you. I enjoyed some of the impressions you had of your first signing day covering, I think, Penn State. Twenty three kids for 2022. It'll be fun looking back, Daniel, in about three or four years and seeing who the hits were. And who the misses were cause it's never quite goes the way you think it's gonna go. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Pen Live.